91.3 WVKR, Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. You are tuned into Local Motion. It is 4 o'clock on St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patty's Day. May you all have luck of the Irish. The luck of the Irish. We all need that. I'm your host, Rita Ryan, here each and every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. If this is your first time tuning into the show, this show is all about music of the Hudson Valley. Musicians that come here to perform, those that live here, and those coming to record in our world-class area recording studios. Show number 266 for me on these airwaves at WVKR. Appreciate everybody tuning in, whether it's online at WVKR.org, perhaps on the dial at 91.3, or tune in radio, however it is that you're here. Thank you for being here. Today, I am thrilled to be speaking with Joe Lewis Walker, who will be my guest today. First time on the show. I'm really looking forward to talking with him. Got great music that he sent me to play. And um, we'll be talking in great depth about his amazing career. And um, if you're not already familiar with him, you're about to be. Joe will also be playing in our area on... um, Saturday, March 27th in Beacon at the Town Crier, along with Morale Coriel. So we'll talk about that show and the other couple of gigs he's got coming on, coming up. So we'll be doing that. We'll be chatting. We'll be playing music. We'll be doing all kinds of great stuff. So the first thing I want to do is introduce you to some of his music. And this is a track that he sent me that is from his latest CD, and it's the title track. It's called Blues Coming On. Let's take a listen and then we'll be back and we'll speak with Joe. Lewis Walker here on 91.3 WVKR. Well, I'm stash to portray.
9913 WVKR Independent Radio Poughkeepsie, New York. You got a twofer there. We just heard B.B. King with Joe Lewis Walker. Everybody's everybody's had the blues. And we started off with blues coming on title track from Joe's latest. Let's get him on the line right now. J.L.W. Yes. Hello. We are live on air. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited and looking forward to talking to you. It's your first time on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate you having me. And I really appreciate your time and being here. So it's a mutual love fest, Joe Lewis Walker. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me do a brief introduction, if I may. Blues Hall of Fame inductee, Grammy winner, four-time Blues Music Award winner, Joe Lewis Walker, is a blues icon, a legendary guitar virtuoso, singer-songwriter who has recorded and played with countless musicians, including Jimi Hendrix, B.B. King, John Lee Hooker, Muddy Water, Waters, Joe Bonamassa, just to name a few. NPR Music says, powerful, soul-stirring, Fierce and gritty, a legendary boundary-pushing icon of modern blues. Billboard says, fine and fierce, gritty, gut-bucket blues, joyous, stone-style rock, and Aiken R&B. One of the greatest bluesmen of his generation, JLW, is known worldwide as one of the genre's top musical trailblazers, a mesmerizing guitarist and soul-testifying vocalist. He'll be performing in our area at Town Crier in Beacon, New York, on Saturday, March 27th, along with Morali Coriel. And with that, I give you an official welcome to Local Motion, Joe Lewis Walker. <laughs> well, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So when I was doing my research, and boy, was it fun learning all about you, um, you're a Christmas baby. Yeah, I'm a Christmas baby. Mm-hmm. Aww. Yes, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I, I only know a few people in the my entire life that I can say, I know someone born on Christmas Day. So that's cool. And you're from the West Coast, the left coast, San Francisco. Well, I was born there. Yes, I was. Um, yeah, I was born in San Francisco, um, raised in the Bay Area for the most part, you know. Uh, but um, my uh, grandmother... My, my mother's side is Arkansas, my father is from Cleveland, Mississippi, so I go back and forth sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, down a little rock, especially uh, in the 60s, and in Mississippi, you know, different places, and, you know, because <laughs> my father and my grandmother especially wanted me to get a, a you know, a little bit of a taste of down home. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you have a musical family, too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! All my cousins played uh, music. Um, uh, all four of them played, and I. And then we all grew up in the projects and played together. And my older cousin, he he turned professional early. He was playing with uh, Freddie Stewart, who was a uh, Sylvester Stewart's brother, Sly Stone. Oh wow! Uh-huh. And, and, and my uh, other cousins, they played with another guy named Roger Collins, who had a big hit record. In the Bay Area, and then <laughs> was later on covered by Howlin' Wolf for a song called "She's Looking Good." Uh, <laughs> so so we, we 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 got around it, but um, unfortunately, only me and a couple of my cousins are left. Two of them are, are passed on, and, and so we um we, we our parents they they like to play music because it kept us out of trouble. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. When did you pick up the guitar for the first time? Well, I I I really picked it up when I was about eight years old, but I had that you know I just looked beautiful. 
And then, then uh, I really didn't get a guitar till I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, for some reason, um, when I was a kid, my uh, my dad moved uh, from uh, the country um, in Madeira, Fresno area, to um, San Francisco. And um, I was the youngest of the litter. So um, we saw my brother and sisters went to regular school. But uh, my dad, for some reason, he wanted me to, he figured I should go to Catholic school. And so... Um, uh, in Catholic school at the time, uh, in the early sixties, you could you could check out an instrument. They had uh, violins, guitars, uh, one guitar, violins, different instruments, and so um, I always was on the list to, to check the guitar out. But the guitar was always checked out, <laughs> so I, I tried the violin and the accordion and what have you. And then when um, when we moved uh, to the Fillmore District uh, when I was uh, uh, twelve years old. Um, uh, the world sort of opened up for me because all my cousins were there and they had guitars. Mm-hmm. And so my mom got me a cheap guitar. And, um, you know, and then uh, we, of course, all of our cousins, we passed around and we had a set of drums and my guitar, we turned into a bass guitar. We took two strings off of it and made a bass <laughs> out of it. I love it. <laughs> 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 you know, and, and we, we was rocking. We was, we was rocking hard. Yeah, you I mean, were. We was, yeah, yeah, we were rocking. We were still rocking so hard that we became... Um, the mascot for a motorcycle club, and we we'd be able to go away on the weekends and make a twenty five dollars, and you know for a kid, you know that's you, a lot of that, money yeah, back then. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, twelve to fourteen, I was playing all over California, you know, and and, and then when I got sixteen, I left home and started playing. And I joined we joined the union when I was fourteen. I'll never forget that because um, in the union when at the time in San Francisco, uh, the the union local six, um, you had to come in and play. You know, you had to come and play something to prove you were a musician. So me and my cousins, we went on it, and we played, I think, Hang On Snoopy or something. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we played, like, three bars. And all the, the guy told me was, hey, get off the pool table. <laughs> 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 and he took 120 bucks from each of us, which is a lot of money. Wow. And, uh, and, and uh, we, we all joined the union, and we were proud to, you know, to be, um, my dad was real proud, uh, so it, it was a good thing, you know, it really did keep us out of, out, of, out of trouble. Did you teach yourself how to play guitar? Did you have lessons, or how, how'd you get Well, it? see, my mom was real smart, the rest of so she said, okay, we don't have money to be buying guitars, but I'll tell you what, if we get you this guitar, you got to give up something to mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. So all my friends were playing sports on Saturdays, and all the girls would come out and see him playing football, and you go to pool and pool and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom said, "No, uh, uh-uh. uh, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna get you that guitar, you're gonna go take lessons, and I got a woman that's gonna teach." Wow! <laughs> so she was smart, so I had to go down and take lessons, you know. Yeah. And so when I, when I I took the lessons, I learned my keys and a little bit of theory and different things uh, of you know. Uh, uh, relative minors, not 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 a whole bunch of stuff that you learned uh, in in Berkeley School of Music any place, and and then um, so I was able to, to teach my cousins at least two of them how to you know the the keys and what have you because because we were just young kids playing we 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 were great by ear but right. we didn't know what we didn't know what we were doing and my older cousin left and he learned how to play because he went on tour and he learned all of his. His, his theory and his notes, he, he taught himself. Wow. So it, it was good that we all sort of, um, that my mom, you know, uh, held my feet to the fire. And she did something else for me, too. She put a, um, a bug in me for learning. You know, I mean, once I, once you get a test taste of learning, 
you know, and you, it looks sort of daunting before you get into it, mm-hmm. you know, but then re- it's really not that daunting because music is numbers, mm-hmm. okay? It's basically mathematics if you're reading music. You know, it's, it's the four chords, the five chords, minus six, it's blah, 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 the flat fifth. That's what it is. You have to put that together with sight. That's why they call it sight reading. Mm-hmm. You have to put that together with the sight, with your sight, and you, you then it's, it's what you want to do with it after that. Wow. Yeah. Simply put, I love that. I love that. Um, so it, it, at 16 years old, you were the house guitarist at the Matrix in, in San Francisco? For a little while. Oh, yeah, my, at, a while. yeah at yeah. 16. You know, that's just like what every 16-year-old does, not. Yeah, but but I, I, but I, I joined the union when I was 14. So I'd been playing nightclubs, you know, and, and sneaking in the house. And then not going to school and telling my dad I was going to school. So <laughs> at 16, he told me, you know, Joe, you got, you, you know, you think you're grown, you got to leave. Uh-huh. So, I, you know, and, and I understand as I got older, I understand, you know, why my father said it. Uh, uh, but um, I, I had moved from down deep in the Fillmore to the, what was the hate district. Yep. It wasn't hate very yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was turning to that. And, um, and, and so um, I, we, we all played, you know, a lot of musicians played in the same areas and what have you. So um, I got to be, uh, uh, I was playing with a psychedelic group down at, um, <clears throat> all over San Francisco. And, and so I got heard, at, at, at we did had a gig at the Matrix opening up for Mississippi Fred McDowell. Huh. And so Fred liked me, so he let me play a little bit with him. And he liked my electric guitar, boy, he really liked that thing because it had like, like a whole bunch of buttons on it, you know, uh-huh. and, and it looked it looked like a, a Formica cable or something. I don't know. He, 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 I had everything on it with bells and whistles and lights, and you know, and Fred was <laughs> Fred was like he was, he was transfixed with that thing. So, um, and, but he was kind to me, and so uh, I think it was uh, I, I lived around the corner. I lived on a place on, on Waller and Ashbury. Okay, and around the corner from me, up the hill was the dead house up far up the hill Ashbury and Frederick Street. Yeah. And you could hear them practicing at 3 in the afternoon and playing the same song till 3 in the morning because they, they would be wailing all day. And uh. so uh, I played a gig, and I think that the Matrix, that the Matrix was owned by Marty Ballin. It was run by Marty Ballin and a couple of other musicians. Yeah. I forgot who it was. And uh, I think it was Pig Pen heard me, and, and he said, hey, man, you should, you know, let the guy play on, you know, blues nights and what have you. And so all the blues guys would come, and they would, literally, I would take people like Earl Hooker uh, to get barbecue and stuff. So I played with Earl Hooker for two weeks. Uh, John Lee Hooker. Uh, uh, but John Lee moved out to where I was. Uh, uh, Magic Sam. I'd go see Magic Sam there. And um, Lightning Hopkins and what have you. And then while I was playing at the Matrix, um, I, I was, like I said, I was living on uh, one block from 8 Nashbury, on Waller Nashbury. And um, then one night at the film auditorium, uh, uh, they they had uh, the um, Mind Troop and, and Bill Graham and Chet Helms who had a place called The Family Dog. Uh, they had a later on. They had a, a show at the Film Auditorium, which was which was our community playhouse. I went to junior high school half a half a block from the Film Auditorium when it was um, predominantly African American, and so I got to see people there like uh, Bobby Blue and Lil Richard when he got religion wow. and uh, people like that earlier. Before you know the hippies came, yeah. and everybody sort of mixed up together. So uh, to make a long story short, the, the gig at the Matrix was was a really good proving ground for me. So uh, when I, I, I went to the Fillmore, I, I had that gig for a long time. I, I went to the Fillmore to that uh, that show, 
And then we, we, I go see all the groups in the film on. Everybody. I, I'm a senior Yardbirds a hundred times. Yardbirds, Green, Jimmy Hendrix, blah, 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 Talk blah, blah, to me blah. about Jimmy. But, stop, stop, stop. You can't just go yeah. that quick about Jimmy Hendrix. I mean, how how was that experience? Well, I'm, I'm getting to a point. Okay. This is the point. Um, being a young guy, I see everybody, Arthur Lee and Love, who, who I love. Arthur Lee, I thought he was a genius. I still think he is. And, and so um, I also was... You know, I see all the old blues guys, but none of the blues guys were my age. You know, they were usually older guys. Right. And Muddy and them, they were older and they were great guys. Freddie King, a great guy, let me play her guitar. Muddy let me open up for him two weeks at a time. Wow. Really nice cat. You know, I mean, really. And they loved the blues, and if you were trying to play it right, they could give you break no matter who you were, what you were, whatever. They, they were sporty. But, um... I went to see the Paul Butterfield Blues Band. Yeah. And then the next day, this guy comes up to me on H Street. He says, hey, brother, do you know where the bookstore was? And it was Mike Bloomfield. Wow. To make a long story short, I ended up living in the house with Michael mm-hmm. for quite a while. And when Michael quit the Butterfield Blues Band, he brought out a drummer named Buddy Miles. And he said, Joe, I got my, you, what you did at the Matrix, you know, taking all the older brothers around. and I got a young brother coming out, and he's pretty wild, but I want you to go to the Bridge Theater and practice with him every day to keep him out of trouble. He's about a year and a half older than you. It was Buddy, Miles. Wow. And so me and my friend, Johnny Kramer, we'd go every day and practice with Buddy and everything and everything. And all Buddy talked about, 90% of the time, was Jimi Hendrix. And so when Jimi Hendrix came to um, uh, the Fillmore, Buddy threw a party for him because Buddy had his own home. And that's why I got to meet Jimi, and he's one of the nicest people I've, I've never met, you know. I never heard him raise his voice. Uh, uh, really, uh, real ladies, man, i got to admit, you know. Uh, <laughs> but a really a unique guy, you know. But everybody sort of has influences. And I think one of the biggest influence on Jimmy was his buddy, Arthur Lee, from Love. Huh? Uh-huh. Because, <laughs> yeah. So if, if you want to, you know, and his, and his brother-in-law, a guitar shorty, and a lot of people, Jimmy was a sponge, too. You know, he was a sponge for music. Right. And uh, uh, just, a, just a sweet person. You know, I always said, you know, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, um, since I've been living out here, I've met, you know, I've had people that play with him, you know, that knew him way better than me, like Juma Sultan. I mean, Juma's been on my record. And, you know, Juma speaks growing well. I mean, but, you know, uh, and Billy Cox, uh, who lives in Nashville, of course, the player, and Billy, you know, uh, and everybody, one thing we all say in a way, he was too good for this business, you know. Mm-hmm. The music was great, mm-hmm. but the business, you know, he didn't have a long run, you mm-hmm. know. And, and it's like, you know, not to change the subject, but when you think of the output that he did in that short amount of time, it was massive because everything he had done leading up to it was made him prepared to do it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he had to leave America to do it because he wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't fly at home here. You know, it just wouldn't fly. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he wouldn't have been called a purist. Right. He wouldn't have been called that. He wouldn't have been called this. You know, it just, he wouldn't fly. So he had to go to England to do what he did. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's what happened. What a time to have been in, the, in San Francisco in the mid to late 60s. Um, I have spoken numerous times and consider him a friend, Yorma Kaukinen. Um, and, you know, like his start there. So I know you guys, like, were friends too out there. You met him out there too, right? Yeah, uh, 
um, Yorma, Jack. <laughs> yep, yeah. Uh, Yorma, Yorma, especially because Yorma moved to the hood, you know, and that would make Yorma unique. Yorma moved to the hood, and um, everybody there liked him. Uh-huh. You know, it's something, it's something about Yorma uh, that transcends music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that if you go see him and Jack or Hot Tune or whatever, you'll see you're different you'll see that Yorma doesn't sound like anybody else right. during that time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He sounds totally different, mm-hmm. you know? And But then again, back then in the Bay Area, everybody was looking for their own sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a saying that, you know, um, if somebody walked in the room and said they wanted to be famous, they would literally get thrown out of the room. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to be a better musician, you know? And so that's why a, a big part of it, then was bands. There was bands. They had the bands sort of had their own identity. So the airplane had their identity. The band had their identity. Brian Pemberton had their identity. Later, a little bit later on, you had the Kyle Powell. They had their identity. East Bakeries. You know, you and, and you had a lot of people who didn't get as huge as they were, but whose members, you know, who didn't last. People like Jerry Miller from Moby Grape. You know, that 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 totally different bands. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it was the West. It was it was our verse. They were, th- I think, the answer to Buffalo Springsteen, mm-hmm. where we lived. At. I mean, Roby Great was just a great band, but they couldn't last the business, and a lot of people didn't last the business. Uh, Bloomfield didn't hated the business. Literally, would he would derail <laughs> any success, any success, any 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 hype, any publicity, anything. Bloom, Bloomfield would just derail it. It's just amazing that he became as popular as he did uh, because anything to do with success in this business, he would either give it away or or push it away. Wow. You know, he was strictly about music. Wow. And I think that was, if there's one thing about that time, uh, I think mostly all the musicians were about music. Very few, I mean, no disrespect to the monkeys or anybody, mm-hmm. but if the monkeys were to come... They they couldn't come and play mm-hmm. at the Fillmore West. They couldn't play. They would have got booed, right. you know, because it, that's that was the difference between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Los Angeles was where the business was located. Uh, San Francisco Bay Area was where the music was located. Right. Different things, right? Yeah, right. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. That totally makes sense. Wow, wow. Yeah, what a scene. What a time. I was born just a few years too early for that, and. Uh, yeah, I'm. I always, I always am enthralled by stories from those times, and when I go out there, and I just, you know, I don't know. It's just a. It's, there's a lot of history out there with this music, that's for sure. And, but then you kind of um, walked away from this uh, stuff, this kind of music, and um, and did gospel for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I, I just got a little bit burnt out. Yeah. From it. Huh? And I've seen a lot of my friends get what they wanted. It's like the little old Little Richard song, you're going to get what you want, but you lost what you had. Mm-hmm. A lot of people got what they want, and, you know, either they OD'd like Jimmy and Janet Smith, or they became hermits like Bloomfield, and then later on, you know, died. Or, you know, uh, just so much, there was so much excess, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, believe me, I, I was right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. But it's I, like be I careful ever, what you wish for. I bet. Yeah, but I think the 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 best thing that happened to me 
was that Bloomfield had set up some auditions for me with Buddha Records, and they passed on me. And, and you know, I, I, I went down to L.A., and I was definitely not an L.A. guy. Bloomfield sent me to Chicago to play with Otis Rush. I wasn't a Chicago guy. I was a guy in San Francisco. I was used to the, to, to the two types of weather, hot and rain. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and mostly hot in San Francisco. So I, I was, you know, I just wasn't cut out for a lot of uh, things in that nature. I was a uh, different, and plus my age. I was a tweener. I wasn't as old as Muddy Waters and those guys. And, like, now I'm not as young as, as some of the people that you mentioned, you know, like uh, Chris Stone or Brian Meister. I'm mm-hmm. not as young. So guys like me, I was a tweener. So mm-hmm. I got a taste of everything, the psychedelic, the jazz, of everything. And then I got a taste of the, the blues with the old masters. And I can hear it now with the younger people, you know, and it's um, it's 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 a sort of a an arc, you mm-hmm. know, for me. So... The gospel for me, playing gospel for 10 years, it didn't hurt me. I felt it helped me. Mm-hmm. Of know? course it did. And you also, um, you attended uh, San Francisco State University during that time, too, with two degrees that you graduated with, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like English, the English uh, word. Uh, it's, it's very powerful. And, um, you know, in uh, music. Yeah. So um, it was two things that, that really, I, I really... Even if I wasn't a musician, I, 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 I like, you know, listen to music. And even if, uh, you know, if I wasn't a songwriter or whatever, I, I, I still like to read, mm-hmm. you know. And so it, it was right in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And then you perform, You were performing with the Spiritual Corinthians at the New Orleans Fest. And then what happened there? Something turned the tide and you were inspired again by R&B, correct? Well, well you know, what happened was, uh, and I tell everybody, you know, I... I'm just a restless soul music, you know, and, and my, my religion is music. Yeah, really, good for you. You know, and, 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 and um, I, I just got to a point where, you know, um, I, I felt like I was needed a bigger, bigger canvas mm-hmm. to use, mm-hmm. you know, and I felt like I had something different to offer the blues. So when I came back in in, in in the early 80s, it took me a while to get a contract, and then I signed with High Tone Records in 85, and, and I, I hadn't seen it, been going to any blues shows, and I started going and playing, and, and people said, man, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> wow. You, you know, and playing, you, you, you know, you and you and this other guy, man, and you, you, you sound like Robert Craig. I said, who's Robert Craig? <laughs> and, and they said, well, you know, you're playing at the blues festival. I was back in a lady named Katie Webster in San Francisco, uh, in the mid '80s, and uh, I, I seen Robert. I said, "Yeah, I can see the, the the similarities, but Robert doesn't play slide guitar. I play slide guitar, and I'm a little bit older than Robert. Yeah, but we we have a great time together. So uh, it, it, when we came back, we were able to bring something different to the blues. I think Robert brought a, a lot of soul, and, and I brought a little bit of what my influence was a little gospel and 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 a little down home blues I learned from Fred, Mississippi Fred, and those guys. And you had you know you had a lot of different elements going on then. You, you had C.B. Ray bringing 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 rock in it. Oh yeah, you know. So the blues was open. Yeah, it, it opened. It, it was open, uh, but it, it but a lot of times, you know, you you'd run into situations where you go to play. Oh well, you know, that's not real. You know, that's not real twelve bar down home blues. You know, nineteen fifty Elmore James. And my answer that was always, well, I'm not nineteen fifty Elmore James. <laughs> right, 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 right. I, I love it. You know, but I, that's not who I am. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. So, so I mean, it's it, it, so I'm glad because now 
um, when I when I hear the blues, and it's 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 it's, it's so many different elements in it. I mean, just all over people from all over the world. I mean, just amazing how you know what these old guys from down south invented, how it's permeated the the whole world. Uh, just crazy. Uh, it, it's something to be proud of, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And man, I tell you, you shared the stage with some pretty incredible people. Um, like this track that I just played before you and I started talking with BB King. I mean, who tell me about meeting such a master as, as BB King. Well, I, I had seen, I'd seen BB, you know, <laughs> when I grew up, you know, my father's from Cleveland, Mississippi, which is, uh, down by the Delta. And so my, I always tell everybody, you know, they say, where'd you learn your blues? Well, I learned my blues at home because my father, all he played was the guy that he, he'd go see when he was, you know, living down south, when he was, you know, their age and the Highland Wolf and guys like that. And and my mother would play B.B. King, B.B. King, B.B. King, B.B. King. And so I tell everybody, you know, I thought B.B. King was my father when it came to music. And so was, <laughs> right. Oh. When I, the biggest thrill of my life, I think it was about 86, I, I was playing a... Uh, um, <clears throat> a show uh, and I opened for BB uh, in my hometown, San Francisco, 85 or something like that. And uh, I brought my mother down. And my mother, the, 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 her generation, their Michael Jackson was BB King. Right. You know, in his prime, he was he looked like a, a matinee idol. Uh, he sang like a gospel singer, sang like a bird, could play guitar economically. Uh, there was no ba- there's no downside to BB. You know, uh, so I was able to introduce BB to my mother, you know, and... I brought that that story, and I told you. And I said, "Well, you know, B, I you know, I heard you so much. I thought you were my father." And with BB sent to you, and he just turned to me and says, "Well, Joe is something I've been meaning to tell you." But <laughs> 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 my mother just cracked up. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Uh, she must have just loved meeting her him. I'm sure that was like something she'll never forgot. That. That's she was in heaven. I have the picture on my website if anybody wants to on uh oh. Facebook to me and BB and my mother. And then, you know, you fast forward it to the nineties, ninety two and I had my, my second child, my, my oldest daughter, and uh there's a picture of BB could be was a godfather. And he became a godfather <laughs> at a show of course at a show we did. Oh, <laughs> So, you know, and, and his daughter is, is close to me, Shirley King. I played on Shirley's record. And, and so, I, it, it, uh, BB to me is, 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 um, is really, uh, your musical uh, father. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he's one of those guys too. He way transcends music. I mean, there is the, the, I mean, just the, the, the stories that he wouldn't even tell about him, you know, getting to where he got to. Uh, because he didn't want to, you know, um, he, he's a classy, class act. He didn't want to upset anybody, make anybody feel bad, anything like that. I mean, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, <laughs> he's just, a, you know, one of a kind. Yeah. There's nobody in this world like him and it never will be. I, I was lucky enough to see him one time um, in Poughkeepsie here at the Civic Center. I was completely blown away by him just his presence on stage and just he made that look so easy you know and it was like ah the sounds that guy produced were just i I still remember i mean i'm just so lucky i got to see him you know and just ah yeah it's amazing you know the amount of time that he spanned and the 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 um the influence 
that he has, I really can't think of another musician in any genre that influenced people in all other genres. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you go see a rock band play a blues, mm-hmm. they got to play a B.B. King lick. Mm-hmm. If you go see a jazz band play a blues, you got to play a, If you play a blues band, you got to play a B.B. King lick. There is no way. If you, it's like Chuck Berry and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You cannot play rock and roll without on a guitar or in a song yeah. without, without playing a Chuck Berry. You know, either in the lyrics or in the form or definitely in the guitar. Yeah. So, you know, when you get people like that, boy, it, it is way, but BB is something, you know, uh, that's, that's I, I don't know, you know, I don't even know how to put it into words. Yeah, 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 well, that was a great track that we played, that's for sure, so good stuff going on. Um, so how's this year been for you with, with this pandemic and obviously not touring and all of that? Has it, have you been, like, able to write music, play music, want to record? How's the creativity been for you the past year? Well, you know, just to be honest, I, I, you know, um, I think that it's just not, it just wasn't the pandemic. It was, you know, political season. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. a lot of social unrest. Yeah. And still going on. And so for me, um, I can't, I could sit down and write anything about the pan, about the virus. There's, if I can't write something positive about a song, Nine times out of ten, I, I I just can't get into it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I could write a song, but what what what, what is there good that I can say about being locked up? What is there good I can say about having to wear a mask? What is there good I can say about people not being able to roll in the same direction together for whatever reason? Mm-hmm. I, there's nothing good I can say about it. So it, it's sort of musically, it did inspire me. Some of my musicians' friends can write about it. But nine times out of ten, I've seen the same name for the same song, Cobra Blues, Lockdown Blues, Quarantine <laughs> Blues. I mean, how many people can write the same song, you know what I mean? Right. So that, that's what I feel about that. As, as far as, um, you know, personally being, um, you know, picking up the guitar, I, I think uh, a lot of us musicians, I think we took the devil hit to the, to the body because we were the first ones to be locked out. Yep. And and we are definitely going to be the last ones. Our our um, business. I, I'm not complaining. I, I I know that you know people's lives and livelihoods are online, and that's way more important. But but music is also a livelihood. Yeah. And to be to be termed um, uh, uh, um, not as uh, consequential, but one of the last um, uh, 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 professions to be able to do what we do, it, it sort of hurts. You know, mm-hmm. it, it really does. Because right now, I mean, I just talked to my agent, you know, and, and it's like, Joe, we keep pushing gigs back. They keep postponing. We keep postponing the tours. You can't go to Poland. You can't go to such and such a place where you've been going. You can't go to such and such a place, but we want you to hold on. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. You know, we, we've been holding on, and we've been holding on, and we've been holding on. So I, I guess it's just like being on the airplane, and, you know, we all know that the two most dangerous times is when you take off and when you land, mm-hmm. okay? But with everybody just sort of antsy when you're circling for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes in the fog, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, Nelly. Well, we've been circling in the fog, uh, and we still have to circle in the fog, and, and that's just the long and short of it. And I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll 
end it with this is that I they, they say, well, what about virtually? Well, I, I just always say this, you know, try this on for size. Say you go to the Shade Stadium to see the Beatles virtually. <laughs> what, I, what would I want to do that for? <laughs> Why would I go to Woodstock and, and see Jimi Hendrix virtually? Right. I mean, I could watch that on TV. Right. You know, and, and also as a musician, you want to connect with the audience. Sure. You really do. It's just not about the money. It's not about the adulation. It ain't about. It really is about connecting, and we bring positivity. And and to know that we are literally um, nobody in the music business right now, from Live Nation to the guy busking in the subway, can tell you when the music industry is going to come back because right. we don't know. You don't, and know. that's pretty sad. It is sad. It is sad. It is. It is. It like you said. It's the last profession. Broadway, uh, all these venues and stadiums. I mean. Who we don't have an answer. We really don't. We really don't. And uh, yeah, no, it, it's the toughest on the on the artist, absolutely. But with that said, and let's just say that there is very few venues. There are very few venues that are doing some what we call incidental live music because we're not supposed to advertise it. But um, it's what we call dinner music and we're going to be lucky enough to have you in beacon new york um a week from friday a week from saturday along with your buddy morale coriel um you have to make reservations everything is limited capacity so i don't want people just to show up and think that they can get there you have to make a reservation but you can do so by calling town crier in beacon new york and that's town spelled with an e and um I'm going to guess you're going to have a pretty as as much as many people as are allowed will probably be there. And it's nice to be able to at least have a venue like that where you're able to perform a little. It's not the typical audience that you're used to. I I totally get that. Um, But you'll be there and you'll feel the vibe and the energy off the audience as they will from you. You also have a couple of shows coming up in Pennsylvania, correct? Well, we have. uh, Well, um, the, uh, the show at the, at the Town Crier is uh, going to be a duet, uh, mostly acoustic with me and Morale Coriel. Yeah. Those who know who Morale is, he's been a, a mainstay here in the area. Absolutely. Coriel. Yeah. And the the May 7th show is uh, with, with my band at the South. <clears throat> And that's probably going to be outside. outside. Yeah, I was going to say, we all just got notified that the Falcon in Marlborough will be opening up outside, I think, May 7th. You might might be the first performer out there doing it. Yes, we will be. Yeah, yeah, and that's really cool spot. I've, I mean, last summer for me, I go see live music at least once a week. Um, that was like a saving grace. It was like, wow, you could go outside and see music at some of these great venues that we have here, you know. And the Falcon with their stage and their distancing, it worked out really, really well. So, yeah, you know, at least it's a little something. It's not like I said. I know it's not the 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 size that you're used to but it, it's a little something and it's 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 slowly creeping back and you know hopefully people go out there and and get vaccinated and just like you know be able to stop this damn thing because it doesn't seem like there's an end to it so um, yeah yeah and, and and be able to you know in organic and collectively you know we, we've all sort of been in our, our, our little pod you right. know Mm-hmm. For a year, and and you know that's not mentally healthy either. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. We need no. to go out and have some fun. Yeah, you know, let's go out and have some fun. You know. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, um, and 
we're fortunate to have those those clubs. But you know, Phil uh, Sagano down at Town Crier has been there forever. Yes, he has since nineteen seventy two. Yeah, when when it was you know in in uh, Newburgh, yeah. which is Daryl's house now, and and uh, in Pauling, I'm Pauling, sorry, yeah. which is Daryl's house now, and and also we're very fortunate to have a uh, uh, the Falcon with Tony Falcon, Falco with with you know because he's very supportive of the music and he, and he's you know really kept a lot of musicians working and and everything. So uh, I mean you know people are trying, they're yes. trying. So I, I I try to get out and support everybody. When I can also, and, and like you said, go get your shot. I got my shot. Good for you. And and, and um, then I will be able to go out and support more music. Yep. And I'm definitely going to do that. I'm going to listen to the Rita Ryan program. <laughs> I'm definitely going to do that. <laughs> and, uh, I tell everybody to support the Hudson Valley Blues Society yep. and the Long Island Blues Society. I know those guys, uh, people out there. I know, them, you know, and so um, we, we're um, definitely... Uh, uh, just live music in particular. You absolutely, know, it's, it's, uh, absolutely, and and it'll feel so much better once you know you're like fully vaccinated and you can kind of just hug another person that's fully vaccinated. You know, there's something it, about that, right? It's it's going to be a good thing. Yeah, and it's all about sharing. A, you're having a shared experience to yeah. going out to to music and and just you know it it makes you feel like it does make you feel a little bit like life. You know, coming back to be a life that you can recognize. Yeah. When you, yeah. Absolutely. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play a track. I want you to tell us about it. I'm going to be playing Two Trains Running. Talk to me about it. Well, you know, it's, it's um, I, I used to hear, I heard, you know, Muddy's, of course, version of it, which Muddy called Still Fool. Uh, but uh, the first, the other first electric version I heard was, was uh, uh, Al Cooper, Al with uh, Blues mm-hmm. Project, mm-hmm. about 65, and, and they, you know, rocked it up. And then um, I, I've heard a lot of versions. So I, I just took it, did it acoustically, and, and sort of sped it up. Um, no, I, you know, and I, I tell somebody's son, Mud Morgan, Phil, I may have screwed the words up, but I, I think I got the feeling right. Uh-huh. But it's just me and the guitar, and uh, and just one take. You know, it's with what you do when you sit at home playing. Yeah. And so I got a chance to do that and put it on the record. So uh, it, it turned out pretty good. I think. Awesome, awesome. We're gonna take a listen to that, and a couple of other tracks, and. Man, it's just been a real pleasure talking to you, and you've got so much history. Have you ever considered writing a book? Well, I've considered it, but, you know, I have a good friend, you know, and a guy in his band wrote a book, his guitar player, and he, and he asked me, you going to write a book? And he says, well, you know, it ain't over yet. I'm like, I don't know when it's over. Every time I want to write a book, there's something new comes up. Yeah, but so, then you write uh, a second one. <laughs> 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 Yeah, that's making you pay, Adrian. <laughs> well, maybe I've, one day. Yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah. You know, i got to wait for the statute of limitations to beat up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You're awesome. You are awesome. Thank you. Thank you for the great vibe here today and just the really just love talking with you every single second of it. Going to play some music. I encourage folks to please make reservations um, if you're in the area, Beacon, New York, Town Crier, March 27th, Joe Lewis Walker, along with Morali Coriel, you two together, I've seen you before, and uh, just great stuff. JoeLewisWalker.com is the website to keep up with all the other performances, including May 7th at the Falcon, and there's a few dates in Pennsylvania as well. Sir, I thank you for your time. Um, I really look forward to seeing you very soon, performing in person and um all the best to you. Thank you, and I've enjoyed every 
every second of this. Oh, awesome. Me too. Next time I see you, I'll be vaccinated. We can actually hug. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I'll hold you to that, sir. Thank you for your time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ah, Mr. Joe Lewis Walker. Well, that one was a lot of fun. Let's keep the, the vibe going here and let's take a listen to Two Trains Running Here by Mr. Joe Lewis Walker. 91.3 WVKR, Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. Say 
that, ladies and gentlemen, is how it's done. (laughs) It's 5 p.m. It's 5.01. You are tuned into 91.3 WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. We just heard Regal Blues, written by Joe Lewis Walker and Jojo Russo, along playing with this... This band was amazing, right? Off Regal Blues. It's the backup band for the B.B. King Blues Band. Hello. With Doyle Bramhall II as well. So Regal Blues, that's off the up, up, off the upcoming release, Joe Lewis Walker. We also heard Two Trains Running, his version of Muddy Waters' tune. Also will be on his newest release. A huge thank you to Mr. Joe Lewis Walker for being my guest during the four o'clock hour today. That was fun. Um, If you missed part of that interview, all of that interview, any of that interview, or just want to listen to it again, I will be uploading it tonight. You can subscribe to Rita Ryan Local Motion on YouTube. You'll get notified when I upload, as well as... um, subscribing to Local Motion on wherever you get your streaming platform, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, Local Motion is on there as well, as will be the interview I just did with Mr. Joe Lewis Walker. So all good things coming up there for sure. And you can see Joe Lewis with um, Morali Coriel on March 27th. That is um, a week from Saturday at the beautiful Town Crier, the legendary Town Crier in Beacon, New York. You must make a reservation. Call online, however it is you want to do it. March 27th, Morali Coriel along with Joe Lewis Walker. And then as Joe noted, On May 7th, he'll be performing outdoors at the Falcon. The Falcon will be opening their outdoor stage on May 7th. They'll be the first band there, Joe Lewis Walker. And you can also keep up with Joe on social media as well as his website, joelewiswalker.com. So much fun. All right, so we're here for one more hour. It's local motion. It's what we do every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. And I cannot be remiss. It'd be remiss of me to say it's St. Patrick's Day. So we got to get a little Irish out. I have absolutely, from what I understand, no Irish blood in me whatsoever. But I got to play some Irish because I know people, just everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Last week, my guest was Ms. Tara O'Grady, and um, she does a beautiful version of Danny Boy. So let's take a listen. Get your Irish out, and let's take a listen right now to Ms. Tara O'Grady, right here on 91.3 WVKR. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. From Glen to Glen and down the mountainside. The summer's gone and all the flowers are dying. Tis you, tis you.
91.3 WVKR, Tony DiPaolo. Strategy is the title of the release we heard Come Away With Me, featuring um, Tony, of course, on guitars here, and slide and lap steel, Paul Beretta on drums, Ira Coleman on acoustic bass, TonyDiPaolo.com. Tony will be playing at the Town Crier on Sunday, doing a nice Sunday brunch towncrier.com. You can get on their email list and stay up to date with all the great things happening at Town Crier. And we heard Ms. Tara O'Grady, her release, Black Irish, Danny Boy. And of course, you know, I had to play that. It is St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone out there. And, um, also, thank you, Bob. Bob just called in. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Always nice to hear from him. He calls in almost every single show, and I, I love talking to him. So stay safe out there, Bob, and thanks for listening to WVKR. Let's keep the music going. It is 514. I'm your host, Rita Ryan, here with Local Motion each and every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. Let's take a, like, take a listen to some grateful by Rennie Pincus, right here on 913. I have seen where the wolf has slept by Silver Stream. He left you in his dream I child of countless trees I child of boundless seas What you are, what you are meant to be Speaks his name, you were born to me
own design Nothing to tell now Let the words be yours, I'm done with mine They really will now Let your life proceed by its own design Nothing to tell now Let the words be yours, I'm done with mine Let us break my bones. 